Chapter thirty two of That Lassa Lowry's by Francis Hodgson Burnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Turned Methody. It had been generally expected that when all was over, the cottage upon the Knoll Road would be closed and deserted, but some secret fancy held Joan to the spot. Perhaps the isolation suited her mood. Perhaps the mere sense of familiarity gave her comfort. "'I shouldna be less lonely anywhere else,' she said to Annis Barholm. "'There's more here as I feel near to than in any other place. "'I am a friend, you know. "'As to the child, I can carry it to Thwaite's wife i'th morning when I go to the pit, "'and she'll look after it till neat for a trifle. "'She's getting children of her own, and knows the ways.' So she went backward and forward, night and morning, with her little burden in her arms. The child was a frail, tiny creature, never strong and often suffering, and its very frailty drew Joan nearer to it. It was sadly like Liz, pretty and infantine. Many a rough but experienced mother, seeing it, prophesied that its battle with life would be brief. With the pretty face, it had inherited also the helpless, irresolute, appealing look. Joan saw this in the baby's eyes sometimes, and was startled at its familiarity. Even the low, fretted cry had in it something that was painfully like its girl-mother's voice. More than once a sense of fear had come upon Joan when she heard and recognised it, but her love only seemed to strengthen with her dread. Day by day those who worked with her felt more strongly the change developing so subtly in the girl. The massive beauty which had almost seemed to scorn itself was beginning to wear a different aspect. The defiant bitterness of look and tone was almost a thing of the past. The rough, contemptuous speech was less scathing and more merciful when at rare intervals it broke forth. Some as has come over her, they said among themselves. Happen it were trouble. She were different somehow. They were somewhat uneasy under this alteration, but on the whole the general feeling was by no means unfriendly. Time had been when they had known Joan Lowry only as a lass who held herself aloof, and yet in a manner overruled them. But in these days more than one stunted, overworked girl or woman found her hard task rendered easier by Joan's strength and swiftness. It was true that his quiet and unremitted efforts had smoothed Grace's path to some extent. There were ill-used women whom he had helped and comforted. There were neglected children whose lives he had contrived to brighten. There were unbelievers whose scoffing his gentle simplicity and long-suffering had checked a little. He could be regarded no longer with contempt in Rigan. He even had his friends there. Among those who still mildly jeered at the little parson, stood foremost, far more through vanity than malice, Owd Sammy Craddock. A couple of months after Lowry's death, Owd Sammy had sauntered down to the mine one day, and was entertaining a group of admirers when Grace went by. It chanced that, for some reason best known to himself, Sammy was by no means in a good humour. Something had gone wrong at home or abroad, and his grievance had rankled and rendered him unusually contumacious. Nearing the group, Grace looked up with a faint but kindly smile. "'Good morning,' he said. "'A pleasant day, friends.' Out Sammy glanced down at him with condescending tolerance. He'd been talking himself, and his greeting had broken in upon his eloquence. "'Which in us?' he asked dryly. 
Which in us said it werena? A few paces from the group of idlers, Joan Lowry stood at work. Some of the men had noted her presence when they lounged by, but in the enjoyment of their gossip they had forgotten her again. She had seen Grace too. She had heard his greeting and the almost brutal laugh that followed it, and added to this she had caught a passing glimpse of the curate's face. She dropped her work and before the laugh had died out, stood up confronting the loungers. "'If there is a mon among you as he has armed,' she said, "'if there's one among you as he's ever done a wrong to, let that mon speak up.' It was out Sammy who was the first to recover himself. Probably he remembered the power he prided himself upon wielding over the other sex. He laid aside his pipe for a moment and tried sarcasm, an adaptation of the same sarcasm he had tried upon the curate. "'Which on us said they were?' he asked. Joan turned her face, pale with repressed emotion, toward him. "'There be men here as I would scarce believe could have had much agin him. I see one mon here as has a wife as lay nigh death a month or so ago, and it were the parson as went to see her day after day and took her help and comfort. There's another mon here as had a little and to dee, and when it deed, it were the parson as knelt by its bed and held its hand and talked to it when it were feet. There's other men here as had help for him as they didna know of, and it were help for a mon as weren't far fra being as poor and hard worked in his way as they are i theirs. Happen th mon I speak on dunnot know much about th sick wife and deein child and what were done for em, and if they dunnot, it's th parson's fault. Why? broke in out Sammy. Blame me if thou art na term Methody. Blame me in amazement if thou art na. Nay, her face softening. It is na Methody so much. Happen I'm turning woman, for I conna abide to see her gain to them as hasna earned it. That were why I spoke. I told you the truth, the little chap you jeered at and throwed his words back to. Thus it became among her companions a commonly accepted belief that Joan Lowry had turned Methody. They could find no other solution to her championship of the parson. Is it true as that's giant Methodies? Thwaite's wife asked Joan somewhat nervously. She would learned to be fond of the girl and did not like the idea of believing in her defection. No, she answered, it is na. The woman heaved a sigh of relief. I thought it were na, she said. I told th maxes as I didna believe it when they brought the tail to me. They powerful fond of tail bearing that maxi lot. Joan stopped in her play with the child. They dunnot understand, she said. That's all. I learned to think different and believe in things as I didna used to believe in. Happen that's what they mean by talking of th Methodies. People learn no more of the matter than this. They felt that in some way Joan had separated herself from their ranks, but they found it troublesome to work their way to any more definite conclusion. Hast heard about that lass of Lowry's? they said to one another. Who's taken a new turn sin Lowry deed? You allus were a queer like I handed wench. After Lowry's death, Annis Barholm and Joan were oftener together than ever. What had at first been friendship had gradually become affection. I think, Annis said to Grace, that Joan must go away from here and find a new life. That is the only way, he answered. 
in this old one there's been nothing but misery for her and bitterness and pain fergus derrick was sitting at a table turning over a book of engravings he looked up sharply where can you find a new life for her he asked and how can you help her to it one dare not offer her even a semblance of assistance they had not spoken to him but he had heard as he always heard everything connected with joan lowrie he was always restless and eager where she was concerned all intercourse between them seemed to be at an end without appearing to make an effort to do so she kept out of his path try as he might he could not reach her at last it had come to this he was no longer dallying upon the brink of a great and dangerous passion it had overwhelmed him one cannot even approach her he said again Anice regarded him with a shade of pity in her face. "'The time is coming when it will not be so,' she said. The night before Joan Lowry had spent an hour with her. She had come in on her way from her work before going to Thwaites, and had knelt down upon the hearthrug to warm herself. There had been no light in the room, but that of the fire and its glow falling upon her face had revealed to Anice something like haggardness. "'Joan,' she said, are you ill joan stirred a little uneasily but did not look at her as she answered nay i am nail i never were really me life then said anice what what is it that i see in your face there was a momentary tremor of the finely moulded obstinate chin i'm tired out joan answered that's all and her hand fell upon her lap anice turned to the fire what is it she asked almost in a whisper joan looked up at her not defiant not bitter not dogged simply an appeal against her own despair isna there a woman's place for me i'th world is it allus to be this way wi me can i never reach no higher strive as i will pray as i will for i have prayed isna there a woman's place for me i'th world yes said anice i'm sure there is I thought as they mun be somewhere. Sometimes I've felt sure as they mun be, and then again I've been beset so sore that I almost gien it up. If there is such a place for me, I mun find it. I mun. You will find it, said Anice, some day, surely. Anice thought of all this again when she glanced at Derrick. Derrick was more than usually disturbed today. He had for some time been working his way to an important decision, fraught with some annoyance and anxiety to himself. There was to be a meeting of the owners in a few weeks, and at this meeting he had determined to take a firm stand. The longer I remain in my present position, the more fully I am convinced of the danger constantly threatening us, he said to Anice. I am convinced that the present system of furnaces is the cause of more explosions than are generally attributed to it, the mine here is a fiery one as they call it and yet day after day goes by and no precautions are taken there are poor fellows working under me whose existence means bread to helpless women and children i hold their lives in trust and if i am not allowed to place one frail barrier between them and sudden death i will lead them into peril no longer i will resign my position at least i can do that the men under him worked with a dull heavy daring born of long use and a knowledge of their own helplessness against their fate there was not one among them who did not know that in going down the shaft to his labour 
he might be leaving the light of day behind him for ever. But seeing the blue sky vanish from sight thus during six days of fifty-two weeks in the year, engendered a kind of hard indifference. Explosions had occurred, and might occur again. Dead men had been carried up to be stretched on the green earth. Men crushed out of all semblance to humanity. Some of themselves bore the marks of terrible maiming. But it was an old story, and they'd learned to face the same hazard recklessly. With Fergus Derrick, however, it was a different matter. It was he who must lead these men into new fields of danger. End of chapter 32